0: You are entering the KNOW no fun zone with the world's first party coach. And whether you like it or not, we're bringing real fun back to life. Trigger warning up top here if earnest conversations about balancing partying, friendship, drugs, and health make you cringe, then please get yourself somewhere you can cringe safely. And with that out of the way, let's get this party started. Today, I'm joined by my buddy, Tom. We met, I'll let him tell the story of how we met, but today, what is that in between? The wellness scene, the party scene, they both have cringy elements of them, but what is that happy medium? What does fun feel like for us now? At one point in our lives, fun, men, dancing at Output, how do we meet each other, and where are you now, and what are you doing? Mm -hmm. So we met in Brooklyn,
1: closing night of Output, which... Was a block from me and my roommates in New York City in Williamsburg. And it was already a special night. And then your friend, shout out to Alan Nieves, just crushed it. Just the Panther room was on fire. And me and my other roommate, who are both standing around six foot four and it's the out kind of a crowd, were about two feet away from the DJ booth, rocking away, boogieing the night. And We see you behind the DJ deck, just giving your classical kind of event, just pump up dance moves. And I think at one point you came to us on the dance floor and started partying with, partying, dancing with us. We connected from there. The rest is really history.
0: From that moment too, I think so much has remained the same. So much is different. I think we both still, we love to dance. We love to be on that, in that space and share that type of energy. Already Alan, so this guy who is was DJing is like one of my college buddies. He never drank. So like he was always behind the DJ booth, like vibing and dancing. Mm. At that time in my life, I was like renegotiating what it went for me. But I think we ended up going, we went to House of Yes one night together. Like we ended up, I saw you at in past years down in San Diego. But I actually want to zoom all the way forward. And what just like what you've been doing even the past like six months, eight months of like fitness, wellness, like what is, What are you building right now? Mm, Yeah. So it's, uh, again,
1: two separate worlds that, again, merge in general with uh, mantra, which is more of a wellness community events, sound baths, paint parties, artist nights, and then something I'm starting called kinetic, which is a functional fitness meets kettlebells and slamming tires with these mace hammer things and just mixing it up. I think I've been a contrarian my whole life and probably segues into my evolving stance on partying from where I was back in the day.
0: Yeah. All right. So let's unpack that a little bit. So contrarian, let's actually go all the way back. What did fun mean for you? Like when you're a kid, maybe seven to 14 age, mm. what was fun for you like then?
1: Fun was play outside somewhere, played a ton of sports. So that was Sports, physical activities, masturbated as fun at at the end of the day, just playing around as kids. and It's funny, I actually didn't like dance, though. I still remember the first time on the dance floor, I think I was 12, at my cousin's boat club's summer party. I still remember stepping on the dance floor, and I froze. Everyone's gyrating, and my 12-year-old mind was in a pretzel. I I didn't know what to do. There was so unnerving and i wasn't sure if i was a dancer for quite some time
0: so i rediscovered it yeah so how did that evolve like where did the dance take over what did fun look like maybe as you got into college or post-college yeah
1: i would say high school and beginning of college it was the normal bar star stuff it, a good observation or metric of that is the typical bar star who the next morning with his bros is the report card isn't Who'd you meet? Did you have fun? Did you have this? It was a stat of how much did you drink? And did you have sex? That was our report card on fun.
0: Yeah. I've heard that cock of a report card for the next day. I relate to that so much. I was in a fraternity. almost like, yeah, how late did you stay up? I was such a goody two shoes all through high school. By the time I got to college, I was ready for, like, fun to be, like, how much trouble I could get in. Like, where can I push mm. those lines? Mm. Did that ever come in for you? Was there, like, a naughty part of fun that ever started to play in for you?
1: Mm. Partied in high school, and then I was in a fraternity as well. And it was in a small college town two hours away from Buffalo. And when we joined freshman year, they would coin it getting Buffalo drop. Because if anyone knows Bill's Mafia or the, the Buffalo Bill's, that is just Buffalo in a in a nutshell. We make our own fun because it's dreary
0: and snowy and um, gloomy. One of the guys I actually went was in a fraternity with, he was from Buffalo. But he, and I'm from outside Chicago, same thing. Mm-hmm. like when we met together, he was like a philosophy major. I was studying religion at the time and ended up being English. But what if we flipped everything on its head of, we would play like the Lion King. I just can't wait to be king. And we would go back to this even like childlike version of ourselves mm. and like blast that in the fraternity and watching girls, guys, everyone allow themselves to play with that instead of the you know top 20s rap, it was like this fl- play that we were able to have like in that space. And I remember like being shirtless up at a table with everyone around me and feeling safer that I had like ever felt. Mm. And for me, partying became this like safe place where like I was allowed to be this big, loud, kind of playful person that I always felt that I had been, but then had been shut down in a lot of other places. Totally. And I think that's a lot very confusing for people that like find solace in the partying. And then for one reason or another, like finding that in other places is not as easy Mm. as it might seem. So, what happened to you like through your 20s and other times? How has fun evolved for you? I think it evolved just from a cost benefit analysis. I think
1: I was 21 drunk wrestling with friends on the way home to our dorms and jumped over my friend, cracked my tooth during like finals week presentations coming up. And there was just this deep embarrassment as I woke up the next day and I really sat with it. It was like this is the start of a new journey. But it still took years to fully peel back those layers and those habits to get to a place where don't seek out alcohol. I'll still drink, but I don't seek it out as much as the pillar of my night. And then it really evolved in New York City when I moved there around 23, nine months, and I hated it. I hated it because I was doing the bar star things. I was going to the bar in Lower East Side that's playing beer pong at 24. It was just... Wasn't quite literally filling my cup up and stumbled on the dance scene. And I had started dancing a little more in college towards the end of it. It was like, okay, yeah, again, I'm not the 12 year old anymore. I can dance. Everyone actually loves to dance. They just, I didn't know it yet. So discovered the dance scene in New York City. And it was just my happy place. It was my place I could shine. Like you said, I think I had that in me too. I like, at times, not all the times, and that gets into the social anxiety part, but at times I I do love to shine and be the energizer and that infectious energy. And that was on the dance floor Friday, Saturday, Sunday in New Yorks, And eventually got to a place where I could transition that into my weekdays too. That would fill my cup up so much um, that I would carry that into the weekday and I, I would need it. If I didn't get my dance quota, my boogie quota in, in a few weeks, I would, it sounds, uh, it sounds harsh, but almost needed to go.
0: Like it was a requirement. Well, I think so many people, when I tell them I'm a party coach, a, a very common reaction is, why do you need to party? Like nobody needs to party. And part of that is an expansion of that definition. But I think we all know this deep down. And I saw this quote the other day, a lack of fun will rot your soul. When you're talking about that boogie, when you boogie at filling up your cup, it's hard to quantify what that does for us. And I think the report card that we're looking for is a lot of people, and there's all kinds of other reasons you can party. It's for networking, it's for sex, it's for French, there's all these other things that you can tick off Mm -hmm. the box. But one that I don't think makes it on there for a lot of people is this idea of filling up this spiritual cup or like soul cup. What does happen to you when that doesn't get filled up?
1: Dull. There's this dull sense. I don't have my fastball. I'm not as animated in my day-to-day interactions. It's a depleting feeling, but it's a trickle. So again, every minute you're not out and about and partying, it's not like on your mind, but you got to wake up two weeks later and be like, w- I have not filled my cup up. This thing is dry. And yes, I need that connection. I need that for me in New York city on the dance floor, one of my favorite moments didn't even involve words. It was looking to my friend next to me, both of us not talking in flow state, dancing our asses off. And you just have that glimmer in your eye that you catch with your friend that says, I'm with you. And it's one of the most powering feelings. And a lot of the men that I've spent late nights on the dance floor, Those transition into this harmony that you have, that heart-to-heart talk that just doesn't come up on a Wednesday evening sometimes.
0: Yes. I want to break down this idea of cringe. We've talked about this now. Everything that you want is on the other side of cringe. And I think sometimes people in the party seat, like when you really observe it from the outside, like dancing to music, it's a pretty cringy thing. It could be cool, but like you looked at it from a slightly different perspective and it's one of the cringiest things that you could do. Hmm. So what is your relationship to that word? Uh, what does it mean to you? Cringe.
1: Yeah, it's the never ending play with partying in a sense. You don't know where cringe is till you press that boundary. And it depends what your kind of role is, what you like to do at parties. For me, again, I like to be shining. I like to be the star of the show or the life of the party. And I love to crack people open. It's a term me and my friend use a lot here is there's nothing better than doing something goofy on the dance floor and someone who just pursed lips just cracks open. It is one of the most joyous feelings. They're like, oh, I can... Like this dude is goofy. I can do whatever I want as well. And then that kind of starts bubbling. And next thing you know, you're surrounded by amazing people and amazing energy. And it's an honoring that it will always be part of the spectrum. And it still feels cringe and cringe feels anxious. And it's just owning who, who am I to think I'm gonna be a hundred percent with all my shots that I take at a party or a dance floor or a conversation. It's impossible if I'm really pushing the envelope.
0: Yeah. What makes you cringe in other people nowadays?
1: Cringe in other people, on the dance floor specifically, just standing there. A funny thing, if I'm feeling playful, I'll, I'll josh some people next to me. Listen, brother, they don't charge by the step here. You can do it. You can literally do whatever you want, I swear. <laughs> <laughs> and it's playful, and it's really true, though. It's, I've been very aware of again, I like to be the life of the party to a degree. Oh, and I've realized there have been this times as my six foot four head stands above the crowd. And if people get lost, they come to find me because I might know where people are. And then sometimes it's great, sometimes it feels like, all right, you're the guy that loves to dance, dance, monkey, dance. And it's, this is a, a collective here. We're all pollinating each other here. And it's just cringe when, yeah, I don't know. These people, it's confusing because we, we pay $60 for the ticket and 40 for the Uber. And maybe we do get a cocktail. It's, you're spending all that money to not fully participate. It's confusing and, and cringe.
0: Yes. Relate to all of that. I think I share very similar energies with that. One thing that has shifted for me, uh, and this is going to be specific, but it used to be one of the things that I get a god out of going to parties is if I was like, if I became friends with a certain group, or if I was like part of an in group, or was invited to a certain party, or even behind the DJ booth with my mm-hmm. buddy Alan, even though that was my friend, there was a, I now realize that there was an insecurity in my regular life that I was able to find armor in being a part of an in-group at a party that I couldn't get in other places. And that's okay. That was actually good because it was exposing me to other things. Striving to be part of that in-group was healthy, <laughs> but it became really toxic in some ways at burning man. There's this camp called robot heart, which ha- they hand out these sunglasses that are like these heart glasses. And. Like, you know, everyone, if you have the robot heart glasses, you're like part of this robot heart in group that they give to people, which is great and fine. But there was a period in my life when, like, I remember wearing those and feeling like wherever I went, like, I could just, I felt so powerful because that gave me that power.
1: Mm.
0: And this last time when I was at Burning Man just about a month ago, I had, we had friends in my camp who were like playing on the robot heart bus, and like other people were wearing those glasses, and I could see them shift their energy, like when they put those things on and become a part of that collective. And I I hate to say that it made me cringe, but I was like, I can see myself in that. And I see that insecurity shift of, okay, now I'm accepted because of X, Y, Z things. And I guess I still, I cringe in myself because I still see that as such a human emotion like that's what we are still we all want to like find that in group or find that thing that we can be a part of mm-hmm. and i cringe in myself because i still want that i still have but self-awareness of it now doesn't necessarily make it any better that's but true. i still sometimes strive for that feeling um but i think it's beautiful to what i tried now is for me charisma is empathy so I try to use my charisma as like finding the person who's like pursed lips on the dance floor and help them feel more accepted. Mm-hmm. And every time that I do that, I realize that past version of myself that needed someone to do that to me. Hopefully, that person is feeling that right now.
1: Mm. You're talking Good. about the that crack people open feeling that yeah. is just yes. so joyous. And again, that's the beautiful thing about filling up other people's cups is it's mutual. Yeah, you know, both fill our our cups up and. It reminds me of a principle I like to carry into parties sometimes. is It's called Go First by Gabby Reese, who is a professional volleyball player. Anyways, she says, go first. Say hi, smile first, dance first, introduce yourself. And who knows where that goes? You'll be amazed at who you meet. And it is just, it's so fun to turn over these stones every time. And that's The fun thing of partying too, it's the surprise, it's the unknown. That's why we go is we don't know what's gonna happen and that surprise is very gripping and
0: rewarding. Yes, and so many people, they want confidence. And I was like, confidence, it's not something you can hold on to, right? It's something that gets created. My thing with uh, Mel Robbins, she has this podcast, she's like a lawyer inspirational book person, but she says confidence is the willingness to try. And science actually backs this up that says, I like, confident people are literally people that are just willing to try things, like, against all odds, right? If the odds are against them, they're still going to try. So it's not that they walk into a room and they're like, I know that people are going to like it. It's like every interaction, it could go wrong, but they have the willingness to try anyway. Totally. It's back to the cringe, right? You have to yeah.
1: know you're going to push that envelope and willingness to try and be okay with the results. Yeah.
0: Where does that, are there times now where you get discouraged or you need to take breaks? How do you deal with that emotions of rejection in the moment?
1: Yeah, I would say rejection. Rejection feels like anxiety to me when the conversation is stalling out. And the funny part is, again, it's a two way street with the conversation. So back in the day, I'd have this anxiety, oh, the conversation's stalling. I must not be in. Interesting person when now it's just a two way street. It still feels like mini rejection when that conversation slowing down. You're really not sure what to do. And that's for me where that anxiety used to just be pause in a conversation. I'm going to go get a drink. It was just habitual. And that was why I was getting the drink just to escape a situation. Whereas now I'm just better adept at pivoting out of that situation that feels like rejection or anxiety or simply. Instead of going to the bar, going to the bathroom. I'll, I'll throw that out there like, I got to go to the bathroom. No one's going to question you about going to the bathroom. Little tips.
0: F yes. So tell me more about some of these communities that you are building now. What is it and how does it feel maybe to build and be responsible for these things versus being joining or, or having mm. other people create them? Totally.
1: I think at the essence of what we're building at Mantra is, again, it was really a space that you could go to without, and again, people still drink, but not needing a drink. Not that being the foundation. I, I don't feel aligned with the space that is just, hey, here's some booze and some speakers. All right. Hey, hope you have a good time. It, sometimes those nights are amazing, but if we don't put a little bit of intention and planning into our nights, it's just chaos most of the time. So it's really being intentional about creating spaces where we can come together and base it on more wellness things that, again, with a little more work than just paying for a beer and slugging it down, a little worth work on meditation or breath work or dancing or arts. We already get into those stages that fills our cup up and doesn't deplete us. So... Yeah, it was interesting. Coming from New York City, the city that never sleeps, I thought, oh, like, they're the partiers. They're out till 6, 7 a.m. And I came to San Diego, and it seems like they party more. It's always a party when it's nice and warm out. And it was just being in charge of it came out of my own desires, because that is Really the heartfelt thing with a lot of people who have these urges we're talking about, man, I just, I don't want to keep doing what I'm doing on the weekends. I don't want to have the social anxiety. I don't want to wake up hungover, not feeling like my cup is filled up, but not having those spaces, right? That transition is lonely. It doesn't just, you want a space and it just, you have an event the next day. So eventually I just kept going to events in San Diego so unfulfilled with me and my two buddies were we're like man fuck this we have to build it ourselves now and it was a little chaotic a little anxiety provoking of again the rejection right rejection of being at a party's enough rejection of throwing your own party and hosting it and hoping people come and um pay for a ticket and is it worth it that was a big journey
0: to to work through where do you feel Yeah, where do you where do you guys feel like it's at now? What is what's working? What's not working? I think we're more. Some of our most successful events have
1: been on weeknights because again, people are still in that weekend habit. Or for us and myself, actually, I can find things to do on the weekend pretty easily. But those weeknight things are a little harder to find for me. And same thing with filling up my cup if I. Monday through Friday don't have any interesting things planned or exciting events, my weeks turn to months, turn to years really quickly. And that's, to me, a sign of an, a not-so-engaged life. So providing those weeknight fillers, we're like, wow, how amazing is it to go to these artist night we host where our friends perform and we have some people from So Far perform with us. And to go home on a Tuesday and have friends text me I was so inspired on a Tuesday night, I went home and played my guitar for the first time in a year. And it's,
0: fuck yes,
1: those are amazing.
0: Heck yeah, I love that. One thing, I'm working on a theory that says, positive, intentional community is so necessarily great. Sustaining that, I don't know if it can exist without conflict. And uh, intentional conflict. By that, I mean, I think one of the reasons why fraternities work and why need to move through conflict with people to form bonds that are worth saving. Mm. And I think a lot of these wellness communities fail and putter out because they are based on a good vibes only model and are not asking people to put any skin in the game, other than I want to feel good.
1: Yep. Yep. I (laughs) couldn't resonate more with that. That's the spectrums. The the bar star that I've been on one side, that is just a dull experience and not much there. And then on the other side, this kind of fluff, this kind of about everything, but about nothing at the same time. And really don't have much intention, it seems. And yeah, isn't about the darkness. It's a great point it's one of my favorite books, Tribe, by Sebastian Younger, And he talks about almost trauma is a necessary ingredient to depth in a relationship, in a bond. That trauma is a darkness. Yet we need that darkness, that rawness, really. That's I felt what has been missing for me when I go to these wellness events is just that rawness, that meat on the bone.
0: So we, we need a thought, a thought house moment for the wellness community to come in and <laughs> destroy Six. half of all the wellness, and then we'll create something on the other side. I love it. Where are you feeling conflict in your life right now?
1: I think I'm feeling conflict, slowly transitioning these people that are, again, on the fence, or they want this wellness stuff. They just don't know it yet. and we again want to go with these events that crack people open and are wacky and weird and super playful and you're you're painting with your toes and stuff like that and it was a wake-up call when it's like you need people only change and evolve so quickly so conflict and kind of merging those two worlds and not scaring people away too much or the meditation events we have of I'm not a meditator. And it's okay, just polishing that up where you meet them halfway, whether it's, uh, we'll be doing a ice fast soon. It's like everyone and their mother on social media loves ice fast. The bar star, the fluff ball, the average Joe. So it's those things that get them there. And then they go, oh, and I love the toe pain. How fun was that? Wow, I'm open to more and new things.
0: Yes. Yes, and I, I share that as a conflict that, I feel like I'm on the other side of, but with this party coach journey, realizing I have this like codependent part of myself that wants to save people who don't want to be saved or don't know they want to be saved yet. But Mm -hmm. they're probably still having fun. And that me creating something that's going to solve their problem. They don't want it yet. And me trying to knock down their door and force them to get it is just a bad use of, of all of our energy. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, let's use ice baths as an example, I think is one of those things that like people are grinding and people posting it. There's something very, I think the reason it takes off is there is a a vanity of we get to share this on social media or there's, it's a very clear, I did something hard, look at me and you get to share that, right? There's a very vain part of ourselves. Mm -hmm. It gets validated when we do an ice bath and share it with people. The results that we get from that type of work are great and I think outweigh and are very necessary part of that type of thing, but asking somebody to come to a meditation dance party and like meditate for 10 minutes. And then do things like you can't, it's, that's not super fun to share a social media. That doesn't scratch the itch. What I'm very interested in exploring in this next stage of party coach is I want to tackle bottle service and the VIP experience that people get at these clubs. Mm. which is, listen, we know people are drinking less, but we also know if we take away bottle service, the whole party scene falls apart because it's a margin on how everyone earns money. Absolutely. And so we have to figure out a way to do this. So I think the Erewhon model of make some fucking fancy smoothies and I think the VIP booths should have ice baths and we get like this Erewhon type experience yes. that is the margins are huge, but people are getting that look at what I have here. And we can do both of those. The solution is not let's all just drink water and be happy, but you need to create a VIP luxury experience that's still going to scratch that human itch.
1: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I think it's just such a small pivot that makes monumental difference, right? Even take... The bottle service and the shots come out, like he would align more shots if there was an intention in it, like alcohol, again it was used to celebrate. And if every time I was toasting a shot, it wasn't the bar wives tales of come in or come honor, have honor and honor. If it was like looking in your friend's eyes and really setting an intention for which probably is a celebration if you're getting bottle service, a birthday, an anniversary or something like that it turns from a cringe thing to a really beautiful thing really
0: quickly. Yeah, you yeah, can I'm just imagining like bottle service girls and bros, like coming in, having everyone's <laughs> shared intention as you make like, a shot together. It would be so beautiful and awesome. And I do that sometimes when I go to, to parties and people appreciate yeah. it. I was at a wedding with a bunch of my, pr- even still pretty intentional friends. We were out in the desert. It was like a disco Joshua Tree wedding. And it was even like we were just doing a champagne toast to kick off the day. And everyone wanted to like get to drinking. I could tell. But I was like, hey, can we before we take this first drink, can we all just go around and people share something that like a memory with the bride and groom or something like that? Right. And by the time we're halfway through, everyone's crying and people are like getting super emotional and like created this intention for the day that was like so different and memorable versus that let's drink and get to that space. But it's, yeah. it takes risk. It takes risk to get to that first thing. And it's cringy. Yes. It's,
1: it's so cringy. And when you get into that beauty is the events I've thrown, it's so amazing. Again, people are so grateful and fills my cup up. Oh my God, thank you for creating this space. And I met this person and friend and now we're doing a woman's circle and stuff like that. And um, I'm just like, yo, you did the work. I just provided the blank canvas. I just gave you all three questions to circle up and talk with two other people about. It's on you to take it there. And it's back to that. A lot of them, again, there's some that are far away from knowing it. There are some that are so close to knowing it. When you provide that, that prompt at a wedding, people are just leaning in and bawling their eyes out. And it's one of the more memorable moments of their weekend.
0: Probably, yeah, yeah, yes, and getting out of the way of my own ego has been, I think, the big journey of my past last couple of years is. I think I needed to get credit for that, <laughs> of, and, and, and like I'll provide this space for you, and I want you to thank me for it afterwards. And finally, being able to let go of the need for that has been such a freeing experience. Uh, what's your relationship to the, I, is, is, this a, is this a business that you're building too, right? Or is this, what is it like for you? Like, how do you take ownership over this? What do you need credit for? How do you, what are you monetizing around this? How, how, what's your relationship to all of that?
1: Yeah, that's actually a great question because I live in San Diego about a block from the beach and I have quite literally the biggest backyard somehow that I've ever seen in like the whole, all my friends place massive. So at first it was easy to just throw parties in our backyard and we've even looked at event spaces. But one thing for us, we have this beautiful backyard in California, we have orange trees, we have two lemon trees, we have these big, beautiful flowering bushes. And we've looked into other event spaces and they just, they don't hit it for us. Being outdoors is, is one, one big thing. It's not a deal breaker, but it's just a big component. Everyone's more open when it's outdoors and there's nature and flowers and birds. The the, the challenge with monetizing that though, is the first time we threw a party, people weren't used to it. The standard was again, here's a free party at a house with speaker and booze. All right. Hey. And now we're asking for 25 bucks and people were like, whoa, what do you mean? You're charging your friends. And it's, Dude, you're not only, again, bring whatever you want and you won't spend $50 at the bar. It's really your time. You can't get your time back. There's only 52 weekends in the year. And for me, I'm 31 and calling a duck, most of us may have families in five years and not be doing this bucket of windows. So let's seize that day. Let's do actual fun things, playful things, weird things. Get out of our ego so that was a, a challenge to monetize those things at the beginning and with that the eventual goal is a retreat but also segues with a fitness studio that i'm also doing in my backyard as well we got the full backyard turfed and kitted out so eventually a retreat space or a fitness studio that also merges, that has events, that is a multi-purpose space is really the end goal. For now, we're at that breaking point of the network effect. And it's cool, these last few events, seeing tickets come through on notifications that you don't know who that person is. And it's,
0: oh, wow, that's
1: amazing.
0: It's so fun. Yes. I've, I've experienced that this week. I'm hosting this challenge this month. It's like a 30-day, like, you don't have to be sober. I'm calling it like a soberish October, but it's redefining your definition of fun we study like dopamine and growth mindset but then how do we apply that to our social lives basically Mm. and the first couple times i ran programs like this most of them were people that like knew me like were friends from a long time a lot of college friends and now it's some guy who's like i've been following you for a year or two on tiktok and like they pop into this group and it's like they have this idea of who i am but it's like this person that like I have no idea who they are. And they're like, I'm ready to like take this next step and do this next thing. And it's such a cool feeling because there was people that did that for me. And i have gone back and tried to thank as many of those people as possible. But I remember you talking, before we got on the call, you were talking about this friend of yours that like wasn't drinking and you deciding to go for the first time and just like sober wingman, this buddy of yours and what that felt like. I remember the first time I was at a rave in Brooklyn and this guy was telling me he didn't drink. And I was just, after he said it, I, like, couldn't drink the same way the rest of the time. And I was, like, feeling guilty with that. And, like, regardless of what that is, it it was, it created this little window of possibility for me. Because I think deep down, I knew that things weren't working for me. But I didn't see anyone else modeling it as a possibility. Mm-hmm. And I think you are just such a bright model for what's possible for so many people mm. um, in the world. And I'm so proud to know you and see this happen, but um, who are there other people that kind of opened this door for you? Or who did you see that walked before you in this?
1: It could be old people that I would see on the New York City dance floor. And I make it a point to go up to them and say, how old are you? Out of <laughs> out of respect and admiration, and they'd be, you know, 56 fifty six. I'm like, holy cannoli, that is amazing. like Again, look how sustainable this is. And sure, they probably had their fun too, and partied, and took substances, and drank. But in that moment, they're pretty much dead sober, and that was really ex- inspiring. Because again, as much as we will have families one day, and we'll stop partying as much. Why if something is so fun, truly f- fulfilling, why would that totally go away? Yes. Uh, so, yeah, the older generation's been really inspiring.
0: Oh, yeah. What kind of wrapping up here, but what do you wish people asked you more? Either your friends or even people's just walking up to you on the dance yeah. floor.
1: What are you mulling over? What are you pondering? What are you reading? What are you What are you fascinated by this week? This week, I'm reading a book on fascia. So fascia is like the fiber muscles that kind of run throughout your whole body and are attached to ligaments and muscles. And it's this intricate system that is really the biggest organ in the body. It's bigger than even the skin. And being as... Tall as I am, and if I'm in San Diego at the beach with my shirt off, it's just, oh, hey, look at this dude with the six pack, or oh, how tall are you? It's it's very surface level to some degrees, and again, sometimes it's cool, and sometimes they ask me what. Less about the outputs of just pointing a six pack. What's your inputs? What do you do? And and getting asked what my inputs are is so much more exciting than my outputs because there's not a story on my output. It's just a dead end conversation. So. Yeah, what are your inputs?
0: I guess. And yeah, is there finally anything else that we didn't touch on or anything you want to ask me? Again, it's a
1: journey to rewire those habits. And again, even with myself, where I had that embarrassing moment, chip in my tooth. And so it took me a few years to finally write some new programming. What's something that is just such an easy shift in the moment that people can make that can, again, not completely... Repolish the system, but get them to a place that is fruitful.
0: Yeah. It's always like service is the simplest way. Is Instead of being in your mind, how can I support somebody else in this moment? Every time that you're like worrying what somebody thinks about you or you don't want to take that first drink and you're like walking over to the bar, it's look at somebody, find somebody else that looks nervous and be like, yo, I'm anxious right now. Can we get a water together? Boom. Instant in that moment, like the feeling that you that we get when we become of service and shift that energy, it just gets it gets that like fight or flight brain mode to calm down. I love that transition. I've done it a few times, leaving just like a soda water. I just need something
1: bubbly, I need something to just still fill that hole. Because again, the, the holes can be filled, but sometimes that habit takes a while to say, I totally don't want anything to drink instead of just a quick. Soda water and throw a lemon in there, and none of my friends know that ain't a tequila soda. That's just a soda.
0: Yes, yeah. And the extreme version of this is if you're going to a people just want to be connected with, and that I doing the shots at bottle service with a bottle. I've literally gotten, I've brought ginger, and done ginger shots with people at the bar, and it's it's you still get that same feeling, and people are like, oh my god, what is this, but it's that same feeling of camaraderie. It doesn't have to be alcohol if you don't want it to be. And if it is, that's fine too. But remember that people are craving connection just as much as you are. Mm.
1: Yeah, that's a really good one. And now, like I said with my events, people have, maybe it's habitual with their financial decisions and just doing anything financially different is is hard. What? because again, it, 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 the math, humans aren't logical. Like the math didn't up. You don't want to, 25 is too much, but you'll go to a bar and spend $50 on some shitty beer. For you, I make up the story that even though as logically as it is, hey, you are spending $100 at the bar or 300, 400 on bottle service. I will be your party coach for X amount of money and it will save you. But what's Yeah. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. And sometimes I get on calls with people, I have them get out a calculator and we'll go through the last 12 weeks. And I'll say, okay, what did you spend when you went out? And if people are spending a ton of money, I was, that's one thing. But for some people are like on the other end and they're actually not spending a lot of money. And I was like, okay, what did you do on that Friday or Saturday night? And they're like, I, watched Netflix for four hours. I woke up. I didn't really do very much. I did this. And I said, all right, so let's quantify some of this. Like what you just said, 52 weeks a year. Like my mom, I watched, I held my mom's hand as she died at 55 years old. Like I know what it's like to die and, and not, she lived such a full, and she loved to party She like did all these things. But the idea that we just have this time to spend doing whatever we want and you're not like constantly seeking what is a fun life. Mm. Like this is life and death, how you, we choose to spend our weekends. totally. And, and if that's what it takes to be that serious about it, I am willing to like go there with people. Mm. And that is what I mentioned to people. And some people said, you're full of shit, man. And it's Great. That's fine. Enjoy your yeah. Netflix. I'm so proud of the life that I've lived. And I'm so proud to see my friends and people that I worked with. When I see them like out on a dance floor, I see their like the trips that they're taking and the people that they're meeting and like all these new possibilities that light up for them because they learned that the, the permission slip that was alcohol or substances to do these things is not actually there it's all in their heads it's so cool i love that pivot on
1: that answer because that's really illuminating for me and it reminds me of my one of my family members who came to visit me and gone through some um mental trials and tribulations and had again had gone to the normal stuff of the therapist and at that time he came to visit me I saw him blossom because I was integrating him into my network and my friends and giving him tips of, he ended up going to a bar on his own, having a few drinks, but to do that on your own is, it's a lot. And all I told him and something I've done before is just having an arbitrary question that people are interested in, whereas it's red or green grapes. Literally, that is what I've asked. And it has taken me to 30 minute conversations. And so that, yeah, less about the people already partying, more about the people that aren't out there, probably want it, just aren't sure how to navigate that confusing world, right? Different events and times and people doing different things. It becomes a lot. And back to my brother with the therapy thing, the book was on kind of group work, men's work, women's work, um, group psychotherapy. And he was really saying back in the day when Young was alive and coming up with this stuff, we needed the one-on-one therapist because people were cemented into their role. They would be a blacksmith and they live on the same block and they'd marry into the same class and all that stuff. So they needed that one-on-one time to be like, "Oh, but I want to be a painter, not a blacksmith. Whereas now there's so much individuation There's so much fragmented things of what we can be or what we can do on a weekend that the book really says what we need now is groups coming together, people coming together, connecting more. And just that relatedness that, again, I'm with you is more rejuvenating than any ayahuasca trip or therapy session will ever provide myself, at least.
0: Yes. We'll wrap it up with this. But yeah. that you know, that craving for community, I, uh, like the, I did a lot of therapy. I've done a lot of things that are super important in that space. But what frustrated me and the problem that I'm solving is that the wellness industry, therapy, everything, they would help me even feel maybe decent in my body. But as soon as I got into that social situation or as soon as I was out in the real world, they it seemed to stop. There was like no guidance or there was no acknowledgement of the reality of what it was like to take that risk and do those things and be in that space. And I think what you're doing of opening up your backyard and creating a space for people to like experiment and play and be in those types of things is a successful attempt at combining some of these two things in a way that, yes, maybe not everyone building to it right now, but as a continued experiment, like you're seeing these things happen. Yeah. That is a solution that we are craving and it's not Mm. more people, again, do therapy, highly recommend. But if you're sitting and doing therapy for six months, eight months, 10 months, and you're not building a social life and connecting with the world, the healthiest life is a social life. If you do not have a social life, you are unhealthy. and You have to solve that stuff. (laughs) Um, So I'm so glad that there's people out like you that saw a vacuum in this space and are like creating stuff like that. And there's lots of people that are out there doing this, but it's so cool to, to, again, to see this journey and see what you've been working through. And so for those that, that are in San Diego or around, how can they get plugged into you? Where can they find you? How often do you guys host events? What does that look like?
1: Yeah, so you can find me on Instagram at tom.kinfit, K-I-N-F-I-T. Events about once a month. And then we'll do other things too, again, like potlucks that are just free hangs and come by. And with the fitness stuff, that's its its own kind of role. But those will eventually be merging into filling up your cup on a workout. Go work out and then dance instead of having to have a pregame with some white claws and...
0: Drilling on each other. Yes, Tommy, it's been so fun connecting with you today. Thanks for helping us. No fun in a new way. I know we'll see each other on some dance floors again sometime soon. I always love looking for for you, the top in the crowd. And uh, yeah, let's keep party on, baby. Have a good one. Cheers.